Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches we from the Word of God. A moment ago in the church, uh, Brother Phil Davis is the chaplain over at Franklin Correctional. So, ministry runs deep in this church. And so, uh, I've asked him if he would pray for me before I preach today. And I, I want you to pray over me, that the Lord use me. But I also want you to preach, uh, pray over one of our young men. Jonathan Marr, stand up and wave at everybody. He's one of our young Marine Corps guys. <clears throat> he's already been uh, deployed one time. Now he's waiting for orders at this time. Uh, since before he went in the service, we've laid hands on him, anointed him with oil, prayed over him, and we're still praying angels to be about him. Not just to keep him safe, but to put him in a position where he can minister in the name of Jesus. Lead us, brothers, we pray. How about that? I want to pray together. I want to pray this way. Father, first of all, we thank you for a pastor who, Lord, is uh, not just one who is after the lost, but, Father, one who shepherds those that are still here. Father, who provides a vision for a church, who, who leads us in a way, Father, that uh, draws us closer and closer to you. So I pray today, God, that the words that you have given him, the message that you have placed upon his heart, Father, that he becomes your words, he becomes your lips, he becomes the things that we need to hear today. And so, Father, I pray right now for every person that is standing. Father, we stand not just to lift our pastor up, but, Father, we stand in preparation. Father, that your word says, he who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And so, Father, we come today to hear your word. Father, we come today to let it apply to our hearts and our minds and to change our lives. And, Lord, to give us the opportunity to draw closer into you. So, Father, I pray that our... The man of God would bring the word of God and the people of God would receive it, Lord Father. And not just be hearers, Lord, but then, Father, to depart out from here and be doers of your word. Father, we thank you for Jonathan and his service, Lord, to our country, but more so, Father, for his service unto you. And so, God, we ask that you continue to use him, Lord, in the fields of where he works within the military, but, Father, within the fields of those that are lost and are without, and that he may bring a, a light of hope into a darkened circumstance and situation. Father, we give this time to you. We ask that you be blessed, you be lifted, you be glorified, and we will all be drawn closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Open your Bibles to Isaiah uh, chapter 61. Isaiah 61, I'll read verses 1 through 4 this morning. This is one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament. Isaiah 61. And we'll begin reading in verse 1 and read through verse 4. The title of the message today is Our Wonderful Salvation. Our Wonderful Salvation. Uh, I have departed from the study uh, in First Thessalonians just for this morning because this is burning in my heart. And I feel strongly that this is what the Lord wants me to preach. Isaiah 61, beginning in verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, 
to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Now this was a word of prophecy that the prophet Isaiah gave a long time ago in the Old Testament. And it would be 800 years before this prophecy would be fulfilled. And the neat thing about this prophecy is that we know exactly when it was fulfilled. Because in Luke, the fourth chapter, in verse 21, Jesus tells us, the Bible tells us that Jesus took the scroll of Isaiah, he went to this very passage of Scripture, and he read it to them that day in the synagogue, and then he said these words, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 800 years before a prophet said it would happen. 800 years before Christ was born. The prophet said, this is what will happen. And Jesus arrived on the scene, took the scroll, read the prophecy and says, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, there's something very neat and wonderful about our text. Because even though it happened so long, it was given, this word was given so long before Christ even arrived, it gives us a brief and short outline of God's plan of salvation and His plan for our lives. Here it is. A Savior, an anointed Savior will come for us. That's the first point. The second point is, he will set us free. The third point is, he will make something beautiful of our lives. And the fourth point is, we will rebuild what the enemy has ruined. That's what the prophecy says. Now, we don't have time for all of that this morning, so I'll just deal with two of those. And the first one is, he will set us free. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The prophecy said it. Jesus validated it. That his mission was to come and set the captives free. In this church... One of our basic beliefs is this, that genuine salvation equals a changed life. We believe that when a person really gets saved, something has to change. They can't go on living the same old way they used to live. If they do, it's not genuine salvation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Thus saith the Lord. That's what the Word says. We believe in this church that to be truly born again means you are born again. 
It means that an old life has ended and a new life has begun. A brand new life, a new spiritual life has come to that person in salvation. Same body, same person on the outside. But on the inside, something has happened. Something has changed. Something new. Something spiritual. The Lord has touched that person and they're a new person in Christ. Now, one of the characteristics of this new life is freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from bondage. Freedom from slavery. Freedom from all the subtle traps of the enemy. Freedom. I I love it. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. You see, friends, there is no prison. There is no bondage. There is no slavery. There is nothing that the enemy can bring into your life that Jesus Christ has not already opened the door. You may be in prison today, but I want to tell you, the door is open. The door is open. And you can walk out of it. He came to set us free. Here's where the problem comes in. And that is that there is an enemy who's always trying to bring us back under bondage. Always trying to bring us back into slavery. Always trying to get us to buy into something that will take away that freedom. Let me illustrate with my own life. Right now, I am battling. I am battling right now. Right now, I'm battling a bad attitude. Don't look at me like you've never had this battle. I'm battling a bad attitude. I'm battling a little bit of depression and a little bit of discouragement. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear me? That's what I'm battling right now. I'm battling a bad attitude, a little bit of discouragement, a little bit of depression. I want to make sure you hear me. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm saying I'm battling that. I didn't say I have a bad attitude because, praise God, I don't. I didn't say I'm discouraged or depressed because I'm anything but discouraged or depressed. But right at this moment in my life, that's the area where the enemy's coming against me and I'm having to stand firm in the freedom that I have in Jesus Christ and I'm having to battle that. I'm having to stand my ground. You see, the enemy is trying to pull me and draw me in to the trap and into the bondage of those feelings and emotions and they don't line up with my wonderful salvation which was brought to me through Christ Jesus. It's just completely incompatible. And so I'm battling those three things right now. I do not have a bad attitude. I don't. I'm not depressed. I'm not discouraged. But I'm having to let the enemy know that I will not be any of those things either. I'm having to battle the enemy. Now, anybody here want to know how I'm battling? So that you'll know how to battle in the future? Now, this is real complicated, so listen carefully. 
No. 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 In the name of Jesus, no. Hallelujah, no. Praise God, no. No, Satan. No, 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 no. You're not going to do that in my life. That's pretty complicated, isn't it? On the count of three, I want to hear a real, genuine, emotional no out of you. One, two, three. No! You see, friends, the Bible says that we can resist the devil and he will flee from us. He never gives up. He never quits. He never stops trying. And we have to stand our ground. No, no, I won't take the bait. No, you will not put that on me. No, you will not put me in the prison of those feelings. And praise God, hallelujah, glory to God in the highest. We can do that. All we have to do is say no. All we have to do is stand our ground. We can do that. Why? Because He came to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who were bound. And by the way, if He came to open the prison to those who were bound, you can be sure He'll help you to just not even go in that prison to start with. Now, if you leave here today and you tell somebody we need to pray for our pastor because he's got a bad attitude, (laughs) he's discouraged and depressed, then you've missed everything I've said. What I'm saying right now is this. That's what I'm battling right now. But three weeks from now, I'll be battling something else and saying no to something else. And three months from now, I'll be saying no to something else. And three years from now, I'll be saying no to something else. And for the rest of my life, I'll be saying no to the enemy and yes to the freedom that's mine in Christ Jesus. And listen to me, so will you you stay in the freedom of Christ, you'll have to learn to say no to all the tricks and all the deception of the enemy. I came to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who were bound. But there's something else he came to do. Amazing. He came to make something beautiful of our lives. He didn't just come to save you. I mean, that's, that's where it starts. But He came to make something beautiful out of your life. To turn your life around and make it shine. Make it glorious. Make it beautiful. Make it marvelous and magnificent. To be winsome. That they may see your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's beauty, isn't it? To make something beautiful out of your life. Uh, In my early 30s, I was pastoring a church... And there was two ladies in this church. Both of them were elderly, and they both ended up in the nursing home. And I would go by and visit with them on somewhat of a regular basis. And in my lifetime, I've never met two more contrasting characters. I mean, they were completely opposite. I want to tell you about these two ladies. The first lady, and for the life of me, I've tried. I cannot remember her name. I've told this story through the years, but I can't remember her name. I'm not sure I ever really knew her name. But I can remember her room. I can see her room in the nursing home as well as I can see you. I can remember exactly how I felt when I was in her room. This woman was negative. This woman was angry. 
This woman was mad and upset every time I visited with her. This this woman would tell me repeatedly, she would say, Pastor, they're abusing me in this place. And it's not just the staff that's abusing me. My children and my family are joining them and together they're abusing me. And she said, and the bad thing about it is, is I don't have long to live. She said, I'm dying and nobody will take me seriously. She said, I only have a few days left, a few weeks at the most. And I won't be here and they just won't listen to me. And they won't have anything to do with me. I'm not trying to be ugly, but I was there for three and a half years and she never did die. Now, now she was dying, but she never did completely die. And, and by the way, I talked to her about the Lord. I would ask her about her salvation. Have you ever known somebody like this? Every time I'd ask her, because there was nothing about her life that appeared that she was saved, and so I'd ask her, are you sure you're saved? And she'd get mad with me for just asking her. She was insulted that I would even question her salvation. But she didn't want to talk about the Bible. She didn't want to talk about Jesus. She didn't want to pray. She didn't want to talk about the church. She didn't want to talk about anything spiritual. She just wanted to talk about how bad her life was. How terrible it was. And I can tell you, friends, I never felt anything but sadness in her presence. And I prayed for her often, but nothing, nothing ever happened. But just a few doors down from her room, there was another room. And I can see that room. And by the way, I remember the lady's name that was in that room, Miss Clara Singletary. Miss Clara always had the curtains pulled back and the sunlight was coming in and the door was wide open. And the lights were on. She was rarely ever in her bed. She was usually sitting in a chair right by her bed. Miss Clara had lost her eyesight a few years before and was completely blind. And I'm sure she had a lot of ailments, but she never told me about those ailments. And I'd go down to Miss Clara's room. And I'd tap on the open door. Miss Clara? She'd always recognize my voice. She'd say, oh, Pastor Henry, I'm so glad you're here. Come on in, son. We've got a lot to talk about. Oh, this is perfect timing. I'm glad you're here. And I'd step into her room. I'm not making this up more than any person I ever met. She had something she did, and it was, I just, I never could completely understand it, but I loved every bit of it. When I'd step into her room, she'd start laughing. She'd laugh and laugh and laugh. You you talk about holy laughter. It was a holy laughter. It it was glorious. It it was spiritual. It was that kind of laughter that draws you in. And you'd start laughing because she was laughing. And then you'd start feeling better just because you were laughing. Uh, Sometimes I wanted to say, Miss Claire, what are you laughing about? She'd just laugh and laugh. And then 
she had a little chair by her chair and she had the bed and sometimes she'd pat the bed because she'd be sitting and she'd say, you come right here, honey, and you sit down right here. We've got some talking to do. I'd sit down and she'd say, now tell me what's going on at the church. Tell me how many people have been saved. Tell me how many people have been baptized. I want to know everything God's doing at our church. And I'd share with her. And every time I'd share something with her, she'd laugh and praise God and worship. Oh, uh, and she acted like the happiest woman in the world. And then when we finished talking about the church, she'd say, now, honey, tell me about you. I want to know how's Miss Beth doing, how those babies doing. She said, I pray for you all the time. I just want to know how y'all are doing. And I would tell her about what's going on in our world, just little trivial, nonsensical type stuff. And she'd hang on every word like I was the most important person on the planet. Oh. And then, on a regular basis, this is what she'd say. She'd say, son, you come here and you get on your knees in front of this, my chair right here. She said, I'm going to lay my hands on you and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for the anointing of the Lord to be on you. I'm going to pray for God to lead you and guide you and bless you. I'm going to pray for him to fill you with his spirit. And to do great and marvelous things through you. I'd get on my knees, friends, and she would pray for me. And when I'd get up and walk out of her room, I was ready to attack hell barehanded. I was ready to take all, I was ready to take all the demons of hell on. Oh! She was one of the most beautiful people I've ever known in my life. And I was thinking this morning as I was going over this in my head, if you were to show me a picture of Miss Claire right now, I don't think I'd recognize her because her beauty was not physical. Her beauty was a spiritual beauty. Her beauty was a contagious beauty. Her beauty was an atmospheric beauty. To be in her presence was to be in the presence of something beautiful. When, when, when you were in her presence, you felt like you were in the presence of the Lord. The first lady... Sad to say this, and this may be a bad reflection on me, but I couldn't wait to get out of her room. I couldn't wait to get out of her room. But when I got to Miss Claire's room, it was hard to leave. Oh, it was hard to leave because I was in the presence of the beauty of holiness. For years, I teased about these two ladies, and I... I hope I won't be in trouble when I get to heaven and have to answer for this. Well, I teased about these two ladies. I said it didn't take me long to figure out a method, a, a method that would help me to survive. So this is what I'd actually do. When I'd go to the nursing home, the first thing I'd do is I'd visit the room of gloom and doom. I, I would visit the room of discouragement and depression the room of death and dying, the room of darkness, and I'd visit and I'd stay in there just as long as I could stand it, and then I'd crawl down. I'd crawl my way down to the room of joy and happiness. The room of victory and celebration. The room of life and beauty. And then Miss Clara would reach way down and she'd pull me up out of that darkness and into the glorious 
presence of his beauty. Oh, friends. Wow. Wow. Oh, I was ready then. I was ready. Every time I left the nursing home, I was excited. I was all pumped up. I want to tell you, friends, listen to me. Light is stronger than darkness. It's greater than darkness. Light makes all the difference in the world. Now, I will tell you this. There were times when I would ask Miss Claire, because sometimes you'd think, well, maybe they, maybe, maybe they do, maybe the staff is not doing what they should do. On several occasions, I asked Miss Claire, I said, Miss Claire, how do they treat you here? How's the staff here? Do they ever neglect you or mistreat you? She'd say, oh, honey, these are the most wonderful people in the world. They're in and out of my room all the time. I, I understand why. They're in and out of my room all the time. They're always asking me what I need. Do, they do everything for me. She said, I couldn't be in a better place than to be right here. Through the years, I have felt like the Holy Spirit has reminded me of that story. And then... The Spirit gives me one simple question. Which one of those rooms do you live in? Which one of those rooms do you spend your time in? Oh, friends. Answer it. Which one do you spend your time in? Which room? Where do you live? You see, friends, it is inexcusable for us as born-again believers to live in the room of darkness and doom and sadness. You say, oh, pastor, but what about all this negative, bad, filthy, ungodly, horrible stuff that's going on in the world? Well, friends, what about all this glorious, magnificent, holy, beautiful stuff that's going on in the kingdom of God? Which room do you live in? Which room do you live in? Well, I got some good news for you. Jesus came to set us free. And he came to make something beautiful out of our lives. Something beautiful. Something good. All my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful out of my life. Would you bow with me in prayer?